Well, there's no doubt that this world is full of real problems. Maybe today you're looking for real answers. The good news is there is a real answer and it's found in the Lord. Welcome, this is The Road to Reality with GFA founder and director, K.P. O'Hannon. As believers, we are a minority in this world, but we can be a mighty minority through the strength and sufficiency of Christ. The book of Acts makes that abundantly clear, and that is where we'll focus our time and attention today. Here's K.P. The answer to all problems people have it is Jesus, it is Jesus, it is Jesus. You know, this morning I talked about the Bridge of Hope taking care of the children. Did you know 23% of all the food grains in India eaten and destroyed by rats, R-A-T-S? When you talk about food grains, rice, beans, wheat, 23% destroyed by rats, you say, why don't they kill the stupid rats? Well, I am asking the same question. You want to know the answer? Go with me to India to Bikaner, Rajasthan, to a large temple with compound walls. In the temple compound, you will find a couple of million rats crawling all over the place. Then I will show you people coming, rich, famous, educated, crawling among these rats, not hurting them, hoping some white rat will crawl on them. And then I will show you truck loads of grain brought and dumping into the compound for the rats to have a wonderful seven-course meal. You say, what? They are worshipped as gods. The 300 million people's travesty of life and poverty and illiteracy and brutality and, and the terrible life they go through. The 400 million backward caste. You can take the whole American dump into India. You will never have the answer to their poverty, their problems. The real answer is Jesus changing the lives of people. I am one who walked and traveled years all over this country of India, my native land, I'm telling you, I'm still convinced the number one answer is Jesus. We cannot ignore the poverty. We cannot walk away from the suffering children. We must go after them. But if Jesus is not there, you know, it's an interesting thing. The tsunami took place and uh, we sent about $9 million worth of medicine and food to Sri Lanka to help the people there. And we start building houses and um, taking care of 3,000 kids, the product of tsunami and all these different things. And um, um, all of a sudden, I get telephone calls from BBC in London, Chicago Tribune, and Philadelphia newspapers, and all kind of radio stations from Australia and different. You know all they want to know? Why on earth are you people exploiting these poor, suffering people in the midst of their problems by preaching Jesus? And one lady, she was on the television, she was really angry with me. It is illegal, it is bad, it is wrong. And she went on his English accent, you know? She, I mean, I said, I thought you are a reporter. And she used some very big words to attack me. 
for our telling people about Jesus. And I said to her, Madam, may I ask you a question? She said, yeah. She was still mad. <laughs> I said, say, I'm a psychiatrist. You came to me. Of course, you know, you are in England and well-fed and taken care of and live in a mansion with uh, air-conditioned buildings and uh, beautiful, nice circumstances and uh, nice car and everything in the world you got. You got plenty of money. But you are ruined emotionally. And you are on the verge of committing suicide. And I, being a reputable psychiatrist, you come to me for counseling. And you come and sit in the sofa and look at you. I know exactly what you should do. I know the answer. But then I say to myself, well, this poor lady is a basket case. She is so ruined emotionally. If I tell her to do something that's taking advantage of her weakness and emotionally devastated time in her life. So I decide not to tell you anything. I say, lady, please go home and get well, then come back and I'll tell you the answer. I said, if I do something like that, what would you say to me? There was silence. I said, you know what? You sit in London and I just came from having walked and wept in Sri Lanka, in India, among tens of thousands of tsunami victims. I said, I saw people who made a decision to commit suicide. And the last minute, our people met these people and talked to them. And when they offered rice and beans and clothes and drinking water and tents, some of them refused. We don't want it. And then they find out they didn't want it because that night they were going to kill themselves and their remaining children. And as they began to talk to them, read Bible verses, pray for them, every one of those people found hope in Jesus Christ. I remember meeting one widow, a beautiful, beautiful young lady, 23, 24-year-old, incredibly beautiful lady, carrying a tiny baby in her arms, tiny little thing wrapped in kind of dirty clothes. The baby was born a week after the tsunami. And our pastor said to me, Yesterday we met her. When we offered food, she refused. Knowing she is sick and weak and tired and hungry, we sat down and began to talk to her, read Bible verses from the book of Psalms, and prayed for her. And finally she said, Thank you for telling me about your God, about Jesus. Somehow something happening in my heart. Then she said, Tonight I was going to kill my baby. And end my life. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Then she took the food. Then she took the clothes. And the following day, I see her with a little baby. There is some hope in her eyes. You know, we still serve among the tsunami victims. We care for the poor and needy. But I'm telling you, America is full of so-called Christian organizations that are crying out to help the poor and needy in the name of Christianity, yet they do not promote Jesus, never tell people he is the ultimate, the only answer. I'm telling you, Jesus remains the real answer to the problems of the world today. And uh, 
I just came from uh, India, I told you this morning, I was in Delhi before coming here, and some of my brothers were telling me they were in a prayer meeting, and a, a lady began to scream and shout, forms coming out of her mouth, you know, crawling on the floor, I mean, manifesting all kind of demons. And uh, eight, nine people tried to hold her down. She, they couldn't. She was so powerful, the, the powers of demons in her. And um, the pastor was telling me, he simply went to her and said, in Jesus' name, you leave her alone. She belonged to Jesus. Instantly, all the demons left. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and then she said, what happened to me? What happened to me? What happened to me? You know, I don't know about you, a lot of problems we deal with, we sometimes think it is visible, it is not. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and the powers of darkness. Worry and care and depression and agony and fear and anxiety, anger, bitterness, when these things are playing you know, with your brain, and, and your brain becomes a, you know, like a ping pong ball, and the demon just beating you up. Hey, listen, stop just and say, in Jesus' name, leave me alone. Don't attack my mind. I belong to Jesus. And if there's some sin in your life, confess it, and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. I mean, I, I tell you, talk... A.W. Chaucer wrote this book, I Talked to the Devil. I tell you what, I talked to the devil, I don't know how many million times. The devil is a liar. You belong to Jesus, and the name of Jesus is good enough for you. You try this. And we see this always in what? In Jesus' name, you have the victory. In Jesus' name, you have the authority and don't walk away from it. No wonder why people hate the name Jesus. The devil hate the name Jesus. This is your name. This is your privilege because you belong to him. And I hope you take that serious. You're listening to The Road to Reality and KP Yohannan who will be back in just a moment. Today we'd like to tell you about the many widows and abandoned children in South Asia. Now, maybe you didn't realize it, but widows in this area of the world are often blamed for their husband's death and viewed as cursed. Subsequently, they're left to fend for themselves, often seen searching for food in waste dumps, making their homes with trash. Abandoned children face similar challenges, so if you would like to reach out in love to them, we would encourage you to get a hold of us. You see, their situation can improve with your assistance. Simply go to theroadtoreality.org and learn how to give to the widows and abandoned children of South Asia. Now, this will serve to provide for a GFA-supported national worker who will then reach out and help these dear women and children. Again, we're at roadtoreality.org. Or call us, if that's preferred, 866-946-2742. That's 866-946-2742.
For our Canadian residents, you can reach us at roadtoreality.ca or call 888-946-2742. Well, as we go back to KP now, we catch up with him once again in Acts chapter 5. All right. Chapter 5, we have this situation with a husband and wife, you know, not being very upright, you know, Ananias and Sapphira and, you know, People were giving money to the work of God and they were kind of being talked about and they realized, my goodness, we need to get some credit. So let's do this. So they played games with God in the modern language. And um, uh, in the end, they both lose their life. You know, God is more concerned about honesty than great performance and a lot of external our um, impressions we make on people. As a matter of fact, the definition of holiness, I tell you, is honesty. You know, remember the two thieves on the cross. One guy pretended. The other guy said, Lord, I deserve this stuff. This is me. And he walked into paradise with the Son of God. The other one lost it. Did you know Judas and Peter both did the same Stupid thing. Denied their Lord. They both did it. But one committed suicide and the other ended up being the greatest apostle. What was the difference? Judas' faith was insincere while Peter's faith was weak, not insincere. My brothers and sisters, God will work with the worst kind if they are honest with him. But God cannot help people who are dishonest. I remember the early days of my life in the United States, falling into materialism, going after all the good stuff of this country. And my church, I was pastoring, they thought I was the greatest thing ever happened to their church. People were getting saved and being baptized, I was marrying people, burying people, all kind of stuff. It was a very busy life. And I Memorized a lot of Peter Marshall's prayer and added my statements and my prayers were outrageously wonderful. In my seminary, my professors thought I was the best student that I was. But I was dying on the inside. And finally, I remember sitting in my room, not on the fancy nice leather chair, but on the carpet, like a little Indian boy. And I remember saying these words to Jesus, Lord, I am lost. I don't know what to tell you. My heart is cold. I can't cry anymore. And I know all the stuff in my head. Everybody thinks I'm wonderful. But Lord, I don't know you anymore. Is there anything you can do to help and change my heart? If you ever heard a grown-up person praying simple words like a little three-year-old kids, you now heard it. And I sat there in helplessness, just didn't know what to do. I was lost. Like a little kid among 100,000 people having lost touch with the parents, running around screaming, mommy and mommy and daddy and daddy. I was like that. You know what? Jesus came into the room one afternoon and he began to talk to me. My life was completely changed. That was before Gospel of Asia began. My brothers and sisters, 
You can study all the books in the world. Memorize all the answers in the world. I tell you what. That be all in your head. It will help maybe. But please learn to come before the Lord. And be open and honest. You want to raise your children godly ways. Be honest with them. Don't pretend. They will never become like what you teach. But they become what you are. When my son was in Nepal, somebody asked him, you, you, was, you were born in America and had all the wonderful opportunities in the world. Why on earth you made a decision to be a missionary and come to Nepal? And I, he never told this to me, by the way. Some other people that talked to him and heard this said this to me. His answer was, well, obviously the Lord called me, but everything goes back to one thing. Whatever my mommy and daddy were teaching and talking to other people, I saw them living behind the doors. They never told me to go and be a missionary. Never asked for it. But we couldn't resist. My sister and I, I couldn't resist this Jesus because I saw in my parents. Honestly, <laughs> I feel so bad often because I'm, I don't think I'm a good father. I failed a thousand times and thousand ways. And... I wish I could go back and, and do things differently, a lot of things. But even my failures, my sin, my lack, my children saw I was not covering up. Times I punished him in anger, I would go and say, I'm so grieved that I did it wrong. Forgive me, my son. He saw my getting angry with my wife, but they will always find out I asked her forgiveness. They always saw my struggles, my sorrows, my failures, but I didn't pretend. I'm not saying I never pretended. I'm sure a thousand times I failed that I did not know about. But my brothers and sisters, God is not disappointed about our failures. As a matter of fact, I am now convinced. Failures, our falling in sin, God allows. That is my theology. If you don't like it, no problem. You know why? Because that is the only way we find out the grace of God sometime. Peter, Jesus could have stopped all the devil and demons and kicked them out. Jesus said, Peter, they will ask to find you like chaff. And I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He did not say, I prayed that you will not fall in sin. You will not deny me. You will not do the dumb, stupid thing. No, I only prayed when you make the mess of your life that your faith and assurance in your Lord will not fail. No wonder when he backslide, take a bunch of people with him, go to do the old business, Jesus comes after after Jesus rose, you know, the only name he picked and said, tell my disciples and Peter. And he goes after, Peter, what a rascal you are. <laughs> I did so much for you, you denied me. How can you do this? I will kill you. <laughs> you will never catch a fish again. <laughs> he didn't even ask one question. Isn't it amazing? If I were Jesus, I just want him to repent about 10,000 times, not one time. 
Jesus only asked, Peter, do you love me? And you see Peter melting and crying. And then says, Lord, what can I tell you? You know, I do love you, but I'm a miserable creature. And the Lord simply said, I'm giving you the highest responsibility. Go and be my shepherd. Did you know in the Old Testament, God the Father said, I'm the shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. In the New Testament, Peter, you are the shepherd. He takes the weak, failing, backsliding individual and put God's name with him. You know, Jacob wasted 20 years of his life. He was clever, smart, and dumb also, I think. But finally... The encounter with the living God changes him. His name is no more Jacob, but from now on, you are no more a deceiver, but the prince of God, Israel. Ah, but something strange and interesting. After that, you read throughout the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and what happened to Israel? God forgets stuff or what? I mean, if your name is changed, you should your new, your new name. God is saying, I'm still the God of the failures. I'm still the God who makes people the best, not the second best, when they miss out everything they think they lost and missed out. You know, to me... <laughs> Chapter 5 in the book of Acts is a lesson that I must not forget. That is, the Lord is not concerned about big amount of money I give or amount of work I do. No, he just wants sincerity from the inside. When you talk to children, talk to others, and giving our resources, you know, one other thing I tell you, nobody, nobody will know how much money you give to God or anybody can ask you. When I was a 16-year-old boy, I made a decision that I will never miss giving tithe to the Lord's kingdom. There's no law that somebody says, you have to do this thing or I'm going to kill you. Nothing like that. No. You know, by the grace of God, now I'm 55 years old. My wife and I can tell you, before the Lord, we remain faithful to him, not please anyone. And we cannot contain the blessings we received from our Father. And I encourage you, in your money, in your time, in your discussions, whatever, stay true on the inside. You'll be amazed how the Lord is pleased with that. Well, we hope the Lord did speak to you in a personal and powerful way today, here on The Road to Reality. K.P. Yohannan's message is called A Mighty Minority, and you can hear it again online at roadtoreality.org. Think of this. There are more than 57 million widows living in Asia right now, and many of them receive little, if any, help from their relatives as they care for their children. In fact, they're often found on the street begging. But there's something that you and I can do to help. Through GFA-supported Widows and Abandoned Children's Ministry, You can help alleviate the many struggles that they face. To learn more about this, stop by roadtoreality.org. Again, 
We're at roadtoreality.org, or you can give us a call toll-free, 866-946-2742. Again, 866-946-2742. Or in Canada, it's 888-946-2742. Or or simply go to roadtoreality.ca on the web. We'll have another encouraging message from K.P. Yohannan for you next weekend here on The Road to Reality. In the meantime, be looking for opportunities to share God's love 